The world's wind industry is gathering in Melbourne this August. Join them at the APAC Summit to discuss collaboration, market building and solving supply chain challenges in the expanding APAC market. Buy tickets at apacsummit2023.com.au Hello, this is Stuart Mullen here. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at the Global Wind Energy Council and this is another podcast in the APAC Offshore Wind and Green Hydrogen series which is taking place at the end of August 29th to 31st of August to be precise in Melbourne, Australia. And as part of the series we've been reaching out to companies that are participating and speakers that will be on the program to hear about their company, about their footprint in the APAC area, Australia, and also what they'd like to see in being discussed as part of the broader conference. And today I am very pleased to be joined by Shashi Shashi Bala from Brinkman, uh, who's the Director and Head of Research. Shashi. Thank you, uh, Stuart, for having me here. Pleasure uh, to be. And I represent uh, Brinkman uh, at the event, and I'm very much looking forward to this event. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you there too, mate. So can you tell the uh, listeners who might not be familiar with Brinkman, what is Brinkman and uh, how does your footprint look or how are you guys viewing the APAC area? Absolutely. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, with Brinkman, we are a renewable energy research and advisory firm based out in Aarhus, Denmark. We cover conventional renewable technologies like wind and solar. And besides that, we are also uh, looking at emerging technologies like green hydrogen. And we provide these research and advisory services to all the clients across the value chain and the companies that are from west to east. Fantastic. That sounds like a very broad portfolio. And if we look at the APAC area specifically, how are you guys viewing the market down there? I think APAC has been uh, certainly one of the biggest markets historically with the sheer dominance of China in the region. And it will continue to be the biggest uh, market or biggest region. That said, historically, it was skewed towards China. But now and in the next decade, there are many markets that are opening up uh, primarily for uh, offshore, uh, which is very relevant for this discussion. And these markets will become a significant driving force for a lot of Western companies planning to invest into the region. And we have seen early Taiwan has become the one of the first movers in the offshore market. And you can see how that is dominated by Western developers and Western uh, suppliers and you know their partnership with the Asian companies as well. And we're going to see many markets opening up. Uh, like South Korea, Australia, Japan, Vietnam, and uh, Philippines and India towards the end of this decade or early next decade. So we're going to see that this market is becoming uh, a meaningful market. And in the next 10 years, we project that around, if we exclude China out of the equation, uh, offshore cumulatively should be in the range of 70 to 75 gigawatts of capacity in the next 10 years. Wow. So that's that's kind of the the volume that we are expecting in this region. And you know to fructify these 
projects, we would at least need investments of about 200 plus billion into the projects, and that would include across the value chain. So it is it is a meaningful market. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, not a right. market that we can ignore. There, there's some big figures that you mentioned there, and you also mentioned that Taiwan has kind of led, uh, has been one of the markets that has been really interesting. Of course, China has just been crushing it for the last couple of years. They've been, you know, dominating the, the with the installs. And I believe that they, uh, the latest GWIC report showed that they are now actually the number one market in the world in terms of our offshore wind installation. So a lot of stuff yeah. happening in, uh, in that market. Um, if we look at some of the emerging markets, you know, Japan and Korea, even a, a little bit further away, Australia and in terms of time and distance, I guess. Um, how are you seeing the emergence uh, and the rollout of these markets? And what is that going to mean for how we collaborate as a region? Are there any synergies to be gained from treating this area as a combined region? Certainly. I think, uh, you know, uh, there are a couple of dimensions to this. If you were to club this region, uh, you know, Asia-Pac, uh, or you know, Asia-Pac, excluding China in general, First and foremost is, uh, you know, in terms of uniformity or what I would expect is kind of having stable policies into the market because policy is by far the fundamental starting uh, building block for this industry. It has been and it will continue to be uh, in the foreseeable future. And we would expect that the policy stability uh, that can be replicated across markets. I mean, if you take an analogy from the West, and you know, UK has been one of the pioneers in the global offshore wind industry, and they've demonstrated that for many years now. They have the CFD mechanism, which is a very, very uh, proven and a successful uh, market mechanism. And we would expect that the new markets that are opening up would also try to think in those similar lines. It's beneficial both for the regulators and as well as the developers. So it doesn't skew to either ways. So it is not burdening the state with subsidies, nor it is burdening the developers uh, on their on the financial returns. So such type of mechanisms should be the one that would create a uniform uh, playing field for most of the developers in the market. That's thing that I would uh, you know, personally expect uh, across those markets. And if we take a bit of a deep dive into the Australian market, so day one of the summit will focus on APAC, but day two will look at Australia and maybe what role Australia can play in the region. How are you guys viewing the Australian market? And is there a role for Australia to play some sort of leadership role in, in straightening up or, or getting this regional collaboration happening? Absolutely. I think uh, it, it certainly would uh, try to be the, you know, by the sheer being a developed economy, uh, it certainly has all the levers that, uh, that the developers can uh, leverage to establish Australia as a key market. If you look at the projections, Taiwan for now is the biggest market, uh, you know, because it has been the first mover, you know, starting from 2018. And if you look at the next markets in the line, you know, if you 
look at Japan or, or South Korea. Australia is certainly would also fall within that uh, you know, range. And in terms of the sheer volume that Australia can offer, that is much more lucrative compared to some of the other Asia-Pac markets, not to say that they're inferior, but in terms of the sheer volumes, because Australia can be positioned. You know, There is good abundance of wind resources in, in Australia, both for onshore and offshore, and they can be tapped into and then the investment profile of some of the developers, we're talking about multi-billion uh, dollar companies domiciled in Australia who are waiting to uh, unlock funds to invest into these uh, large-scale offshore wind projects. And such kind of investments will certainly catapult Australia into one of the leading uh, markets within the region. And the volume and the policy stability and being an established economy, those are kind of ticks in the in the boxes that we're looking at, trying to, you know, which qualifies for a stable investment and returns in the market. So in terms of volume, it is certainly will be one of the biggest in the region. I think uh, one of the last times we caught up, we were speaking about uh, your company's study of the supply chain and capacity in the region and what that looks like. From where we sit at GWIC, when we kind of look ahead to the back end of 20, or you know, the back end of the 2020s and early to 2030, the supply chain capacity is going to be quite uh, um, difficult for us to main, uh, maintain, I guess. How do you guys see this? I think certainly, I mean, if you think, and now I would assume that the question is specific to Australia or broadly the, the APAC uh, region. Sorry, I just lost you there for a sec. Uh, uh, I was asking, is that the question pertaining to Australia or broadly the, the APAC uh, region? Um, a bit of both. So one, okay. I mean, one... I think, is there enough capacity in the APAC region to service APAC, but also Australia being so far away from the rest of Asia, does it need its own supply chain to be able to make this a viable uh, business? Absolutely. I think in general, uh, in the APAC markets, I think we have seen uh, supply chain capacity that's ramped up for both onshore and offshore and uh, most more relevant in the offshore space, uh, both in markets like Taiwan and China, the supply chain capacity is, is ramping up to supply that demand. And the future markets like South Korea and Japan as well, uh, some of the companies have already announced uh, investment plans into the region. Australia, we have not seen any announcements that would also eventually follow. It's a matter of time. And coming to specific for Australian market, the sheer size of those projects, we forecast about 14 to 15 gigawatts of capacity in the next 10 years. And that volume is sufficient to warrant local supply chain investments. If you think about it, you know, where else there are the offshore hubs and every market is stipulating local content. We have seen Taiwan and they could also be in South Korea and Japan as well eventually. So if markets are dictating that local content and because Australia, as you also mentioned, is kind of farther in, in the east and the Pacific, so they call for a new investments into the market especially some of the low-hanging ones, you know, nasal assembly, blades, towers, and foundations, 
these I would think will be the uh, kind of low hanging foods for supply chain investments, besides what we see in general in the balance of plant investments itself. Really, that's fascinating. I would have thought that uh, it might be challenging, but that's great if you're if the projections or projections of thinking that this is going to actually happen and that we're going to uh, be able to develop a meaningful supply chain without uh, getting boom and bust cycles in these things. I think this is the the key, making sure that there's a a consistent delivery and rollout, and so that the, those people that are investing in the region have a clear roadmap for their products. And the out, and the rollout of their factories. It'd be great if they're always at capacity all the time. And I'm not Absolutely. sure, but I'm not sure. I mean, does this also require then like a multi multi brand factories, or is it? Do we need to to think in new terms for the industry, or, or can we solve this from within the existing business models that we see today? I think uh, that's a great question. I mean, we have seen uh, some of the markets, uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, they went in a different direction. Uh, but nonetheless, some of the local content markets in, uh, that are emerging, you know, we have seen in Argentina or in Russia, where some of the OEMs have partnered with the domestic companies yeah. that proved to be a successful model so that turbine OEMs don't lock in multi-million euro capex because most of these companies are financially strapped. So partners, such kind of partnership agreements, either with large industrial companies or some of the developers, leading developers who are who have the appetite to invest and lock in the supply chain, such kind of mechanisms will be the right way forward because you can't expect all these turbine OEMs and component suppliers to invest, you know, every single offshore facility would be nothing short of $200 million CAPEX. So I think it will be challenging for these companies to put in the CAPEX on their books. So it's quite clear from this little snippet of uh, speaking with you that you are going to be in a high demand, there's going to be a lot of people in the uh, at the APAC summit looking to speak with you to try to pick your brains and to gain some valuable insights and and to help them and assist them with their strategy. So I hope that this is uh, something you'll be able to do. But from your side, what are some of the insights or what are some of the conversations that you're looking to have? What's the objective of Brinkman for attending this conference? Certainly, I think as you also uh, made in some of the initial comments that uh, you know uh, Asia Pac offshore market itself is booming and towards the end of this decade, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. So most of the developers are keen to understand the policy mechanisms and most of the companies, they also want to lock in the supply chain because if you look at in the next two to three years, because the offshore is going to grow by six folds before end of this decade. And the primary concern today for most of the developers, besides the uh, inflation, the cost inflation, the next thing on their mind is to lock in the supply chain uh, because there will be a shortage of uh, supply chain components as we move forward in timeline. So we would expect that some of these developers would also try to figure out their supply chain strategies, lock in capacities with some of the OEMs. So we would be, you know, uh, there to understand what are their pain points and help them address their, their, uh, their pain points to make sure that they're able to achieve and realize their uh, goals and ambitions. Well, we hope that we give you opportunities to discuss that. There's certainly going to be a lot of focus on this throughout the program and throughout the content. So. We look forward to seeing you in Melbourne, Shashi. We hope that our, and, and the Brinkman team, it'd be great to uh, see you down there. Thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you in Melbourne. 
Absolutely. Pleasure. Uh, I also look forward to this great event, the inaugural event, and uh, looking forward for the great success from the event. Thank you.